What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Random Car Guys. Mike in here, your host, back with another episode. Another episode coming to you from Wales. FaceTime and, and technology is a beautiful thing because I get to talk cars with my mates from back home. Uh, and even though I haven't seen you in probably three years, I think last time I saw you was probably Christmas a few years ago yeah. in Tuskers, which is of all places. Uh, Josh Navidi is on the podcast. People who probably grew up or know Josh from Wales and rugby will know that he's played for Wales. He's British and Irish Lion. Um, but I know him as a mate from our DT class, just being idiots in the back of, you know, Catton's DT class in Brintig. So, mate, it's a pleasure to, to connect again and have you on the podcast. And I know that you have a deep passion for cars and bikes and excited to get into uh, some car talk. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah. It's a bit weird, isn't it, seeing a cross like this, but yeah, no, it's good to hear from you and see you again. Yeah, so right from the start then, what is, I guess, your earliest like memory of cars and, and growing up, or, you know, obviously dad had the gym, I think, was it when you were growing up, so yeah. you remember that stuff, and what's your earliest memory of having, you know, having been around the car world? I think it started from uh, like uh, my dad used to go to uh, Texaco and they had like if you collected a certain amount of points, they'd give you like a car like, figure in like a nice box and stuff. So like he just started collecting them and then he gave me when he got a new one, he'd give them to me. Um, but I just remember like ripping them out of a box and started playing with them. I'm sure today, like, they're worth, like, a decent amount of money, but <laughs> my dad's spewing about it. But, like, I think it started from then. Um, I had, like, a little F40, um, just a few others, like, Lambos and stuff like that. And it, it stemmed from there, really. My dad didn't have, like, crazy cars. He had, like, a, an old Cruiser S, S320 Mercedes, 1996, which got scrapped probably about five, six years ago. <laughs> Because it was rotten throughout, but um, yeah, I've always always loved my cars, just anything and everything really, from Jack to supercars and all that high end stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I said to you before we started recording, I think the first time we ever met was, you know, I remember seeing you. I don't think we met formally, but I just remember seeing some kid riding around like the streets of your neighborhood on a go-kart. And they were like, who's that? And I was like, who's that? And they're like, oh, it's Josh. It's like, who's who's Josh? I have no idea who this guy is. I think we were like 12 or something. Uh, but yeah, obviously you got in, seemed to, you know, have a little go-kart around the, did you ever get into racing it or was it just around the streets? No, nah, it was a little two-seater thing. It's probably like, I don't know even know how much brake it would be, but it was like a lawnmower engine, two seats, no belts or anything. And we're going around, like, Briarway where we lived, going around here, and we're driving on the, the bloody um, the sidewalk. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the police came around a couple of times, and it was one or two complaints. But, um yeah, most of the time it was, it was all good because they were young families and kids growing up. So we just give them a little ride, and it was it was, it was cool to have one. And uh, yeah, we did fly through some tires. My dad kept complaining. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. But I mean, you look back at it like you always. It's always great to look back, and you always kind of see like where my love for cars or my love for football or rugby or whatever it is like starts from. And it clearly it starts there because obviously dad had a passion and just kind of brought you along for the ride with it and you know it's no no shock that you have a 190e project mercedes right now that you know you remembered your dad's mercedes the first car you think of right like you know we always yeah. have those experiences but so growing up then obviously around the cars obviously rugby is a thing because anyone who grows up in wales you can't really escape it 
Um, but you, it, obviously you go through school, you're playing rugby like everybody else, but you didn't, you went, you went to, was it Australia or New Zealand after like GCSEs, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was like two days after my last GCSE. So it was math. Um, so I ended up going down to Christchurch in New Zealand. Um, I spent about two seasons out there because um, the first year was a bit late. I think it was about April, May, May time we would have probably finished our GCSE. So I ended up going like halfway through this season, spend a year out there and then offered, they said, oh, do you want to go back for another year? So I did and um, actually went out for another year, saw a load of Jap cars, Jap imports, which was nice. Um, we test drove uh, an Evo 7 at one point because uh, you didn't need insurance over there so you could pretty buy any car that you wanted. So I was going to run around with one of them but um, I ended up in a Toyota Corolla um, live-in. So I think it was an AE111. Um, so the only reason I I bought it is because it had like a milk control start. So you could start the car when you're uh, away from the car. And the other car I test over was a Honda Integra. So that would be cool if I did actually buy that and imported it back home. But yeah, it was, it was one of them. My dad was shouting at me because he was back home at that time, the second year. And then uh, he's like, oh, no, like, you should have just rented a car like, or something like that, but I'm, just, I'm running around in this living. And, uh, yeah, it was a wicked car, automatic. I don't know, I couldn't tell you the brake or anything, but uh, it was a good old car. Yeah. Well, like I said, when you're, like, 17, 18 away from home, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, you're you're literally yeah. at the other end of the world, you know, and it sounds like, you know, you'd made your mind up to go, because it, was it a rugby college, specifically, like, a rugby college you went to? Um, mad, mad story is we didn't have any plan or anything like that. We just up and left. Um, Scott Gibbs came over the day before because my dad knew him from the gym and gave us a card, a contact. And he was like, oh, if you get in any trouble, speak to him. So we just up and left. But he landed in New Zealand in this Airbnb. And it was like pretty old school, like not Airbnb, uh, B&B that you'd expect back home. That hasn't been refurbished or anything like that. Everything's like old school and uh, like 90s, 80s, 90s vibe inside. We just turned up. First day, I remember I was had full of cold, knackered. My dad's like running me around everywhere, trying to sort out a place for us to rent, trying to find out where's the best place to go to start playing. Um, so we ended up at uh, Rugby Park, um, just basically where uh, Canterbury train just knocking, my dad knocking on the door and then the guy just welcomed us in, spent about two hours in with uh, Matt Sexton and he went through everything that the academy do, like what analysis they were doing with the academy boys, the weights programs, fitness programs, like what competitions they were playing in, um, who has come through the, the academy system. And then I ended up doing like two, I think it was like a week of like testing with them. And cause I was like, it would have been 16 at the time. They're like, oh, your best option is to go to college and play first 15 rugby. So they said, oh, you got St. Beads or uh, Christchurch Boys High where Dan Carter's come from. So we went around both. Um, in St. Beads, they had like a, an ESOL program where um, foreign students could go learn English. Um, and then, 
do their rugby alongside the English classes. And then Christchurch Boys High was just like a normal, like a Brintig school, like anyone can go kind of thing. So ended up going to uh, St. Bede's, um, ended up talking to Mark Ely about it all, and it just went from there. So first year, kind of chilled, didn't do any classes because I could speak English. Um, me and my dad would drive around in this, uh, well, he was a, a Corolla as well, um, and just drive around the, like the, near the South Island, just drive around, going around, seeing places when everyone's in school and when I had to go training, I would go training. And then it was, it was basically that for the first year. Yeah. And then, and then the se- second year then ended up going back. Um, we done really well. We ended up uh, third in New Zealand, um, won our S- South Island Championship and then get invited to play up top four. So we ended up finishing third in that competition. And yeah, it, it was amazing. I'll tell anyone to go. Just the culture, everything. It's such a nice country and the roads are amazing. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who lives over there now uh, and he, he moved from Wales as well. He, he plays golf and he loves it too. But So so you made like, how, where does the decision come about that you're like, you know what, like dad just says, you know, I think we should go to New Zealand and you should go to a rugby camp, but we'll just figure it out and jump on a plane. And oh, it sounds like dad spent the full first year with you, right? Like you lived there together. Yeah. Yeah. So the first year was just me and my dad and then my brother and my mum came out like towards the end of the season so we yeah. did travel around in a, a camp van but I remember we were just driving up to North Wales because at one point we were going to move move to New Zealand but it didn't happen and my dad's like oh would you still like to go and this is probably September time October time uh, at the start of the year um, so we're driving up to I remember the thing, driving up to North Wales so normally me and my dad would go up in his van and then my mum my brother would go up in the Mercedes. Um, but we'd always go upset, but we'd just chat and all that. And he said, oh, just at one point, I remember exactly on the A470, he goes, oh, do you still want to go back? Do you want to go over to New Zealand? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd still do it. So literally that year we were going to go. I had trials for Ospreys. Um, but my dad was like, we're going to New Zealand, so you can either go to a trial or if they really want you, just don't go. And if they come and get you, great. If not, we're going to New Zealand anyway. So it ended up like that. I was, at the time, I was like, I want to go to a trial. But kind of like, no, oh, like my dad tried to ha- hold me back because you play playing a lot of rugby when you're young. You play club, district, and school. So you're playing maybe three games a week sometimes. So it was good that he held me back because I felt like I was maybe fresher. But like now I'm getting older and getting, getting loads of injuries, <laughs> which has let me have a lot more time with my 190. But um, yeah, it was, it was just a, a bizarre situation, like how we ended up going and and just how we ended up over there, really, just knocking on the door and it, everything stemmed from there. Yeah. Well, um, for people listening that don't know, like New Zealand is the home of rugby, basically. Like it is where the best team in the world comes from, although they're not the best right now. I know Ireland, I think, is number one. But, you know, like it, it's so much like history in rugby from New Zealand. So it doesn't surprise me that that's where you ended up going. And obviously just it's a beautiful country. But when you're there then, like, 
and obviously you, the team you do you play for does really well and I guess that kind of puts you on the map a little bit one thing I'm curious to though is like on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever you see like the schools right like the, the 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 schools it's not like going to a game that we used to watch you know you play for Brinte was like eight people on the sideline and most of them are like girlfriends and coaches high school like rugby or college rugby in New Zealand it it, it it's a bit of a scene right yeah it's it's, it's massive because we were, I went to a all boys school so on the Saturdays when we were playing it was rammed like you probably have like three four thousand people watching and then if it was say a, a bigger game you have like five well probably five to six thousand yeah. and then it was televised this was back in 2007 so now you can see back like in Wales now the colleges have started doing it you, on SOC they show a lot of games and it's caught up a lot and you can see what was happening in New Zealand uh Every um, college, well, most colleges, is a couple of colleges in Wales that do it now. That it is a kind of academy system, and you can see that it is helping. Like you can see a lot of boys, younger boys, coming through the system. But it, it, it was huge. It was crazy. All that boys want to do in New Zealand is play rugby, play for the Pier Fifteen, and then um, be an All Black. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Did you, did you have to learn like the did the school have a, like a, a hacker and stuff? Do you have to learn that stuff too? Yeah, yeah. So the first year I didn't have a clue. So I was like, I used to stand on the sideline, felt so bad. Yeah. The boys would do the hacker, and then I would I'd run on <laughs> for kick off. Um, but then the second year, then because I was there at the start of the year, you had like practice sessions where you'd learn the hacker. But the, obviously the boys. Um, who've grown up through the school have done it like every year yeah. and um, it, it's pretty cool to learn so you'd have to go home and practice it, all the words and all that and then um, before every game say you're the home team the away team would start and then you'd go like midway through the hacker if it was a rubbish hacker you'd start straight away like, <laughs> it, it's crazy because it, it's, it's like one of them that if your hacker was better than the other team you already got one, one up on them and then if you played 20, I think it was 20 or 30 games for the school, you had a cap. So before the hack, you'd wear your cap, stand in line. And then halfway through then, you'd walk out, take your cap off, put it down and then walk back and then start your hacker then, which was, it was pretty amazing. It was, it was a wicked time. I mean, what, what, yeah, like what an experience, right? Like, you you know, yeah. for, for just a dad to say, yeah, we're going. Like, we'll figure it out when we go there, you know, which is, if anyone knows your dad, like, that that doesn't surprise anyone, right? It's like, you know, he's, yeah. he's an entrepreneur. He's going to go figure it out. Like, at the worst case, we can just go home. But the fact that he's willing to go yeah. and do all that, you know, just to give you a chance, like, that's that's incredible. I love that. And, uh, you yeah. know, I'm sure there are many fathers out there that would do the same thing. But, like, just the fact that you go there, you know, you're halfway around the world, uh, you know, just to say, yeah, like, you know, my son wants to be a professional rugby player. Like this is the best place he needs to be. Yeah. Let's go do it. But you mentioned a bit ago that that's where you kind of saw a lot of Japanese import culture. So I guess that is where you get really thrown in the deep end of like the Japanese car scene in yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. I, a, I love my Jap cars. I reckon they're wicked. I saw the tuning and everything going into them. Obviously, Tokyo Drift had a massive, well, Fast and Furious in total yeah. had a massive effect on me. Just like the RX-7, Skylines, Evos, 
always be, loved my Subarus from when I was a little kid and having a remote control car. Um, but it was crazy out there. Like, yeah, you I see the odd Subaru Evo and most of them are rusted now when when you're in New Zealand because it's so close and it's so easy to import. You hundreds of cars. Like most cars were Jap imports. Um, and you'd rarely see like a Mercedes or BMW because you're so far to get one down there. Um, so most people drove a Japanese import and I could see Starlets and stuff like that and like all souped up like massive turbos, exhaust, dump valves, all the all yeah. the bells and whistles. <laughs> so it's no surprise then when you finally come back to Wales after two years, you go and buy an RX-8. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, um, so, it was, so I might, I sure, I try and think, my brother, yeah, so I'm trying to think when, when it was. So we, me and my brother came back first of all the first year and then the second year I think my brother came back early to look after the gym so him and one of my dad's mates um, went and saw a car in London picked it up the day that they were picking us up and then as my brother picked me up he picked up the, like he picked me up in the RX-8 um, so I seen one online. I sent it to her through eBay. I, I can't remember how much it was. I think it was about five, six grand. Um, and my dad didn't know where it was. I was like, "Yeah, it's a one point three litre engine. No clue at all." Um, so then the insurance came through. I think the insurance was a grand and a half at the time. Um, but I used to. I'd like. I never used to drink or anything like that. So all my money, like I used to save up my money and. And have like yeah. cars or whatever like that. Um, so I remember my brother parking in the NPC car park uh, um, in the airport, and then because I was driving it back, um, I remember as soon as we like was leaving the car park, it was like a very tight curb, and I caught the arch on the curb. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh no!" At the very start, I was like, "Oh God." Done some damage already, but um, yeah, it was such a good car. I had like a, a bale side well, body kit on it, smashed that up so many times. Um, and having a real wheel drive car um, isn't probably the best, really, for a 17 year old to be going around for gender. Figuring out which, how, which you know, which I would know because we were we, yeah. we did slide sideways into a road sign at some point together. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the, was that the death of that car? Was it that incident? Yeah, that, that, was, that was, yeah. yeah, that was the end there. So um, the back axle went, the exhaust was dented. Probably it could have been saved. I mean, if well, the airbags also like, went off, know. right? Like that was the kind of that yeah. was like a bit of an issue too. It was like, it was yeah. like all I remember was like I remember us going through the first roundabout and thinking, okay, I think we're a little sideways on that one, and then the second kind of big bend kind of just showed up really quick, and I think you like downshifted, yeah. and then as soon as you like touch the brakes and down into what second or whatever it was, the back end slid, yeah. and I was like, it's like slow motion when you're crashing, right? Because yeah. you're like sliding sideways for, you know four, five, six seconds and then you finally just hit a curb and a, and a road sign and obviously that the curbs would yeah. destroy the wheel but I was sat back left to you and obviously people listening right hand drive car back home so you took the brunt of it you know and that's why the airbags yeah. went off but I remember just like driving around the corner and pulling up next to McDonald's and calling Tom and Nathan I mean like you boys need to come see us quick because <laughs> I, I remember it happening because like went through the corner we weren't racing or anything like that. <laughs> we went through the corner 
and they like went over a little lip and then I hit something like the sign but then like we were dead stopped and then like two seconds later the airbag went off yeah. so like to replace airbags is ridiculous over here um, but yeah I ended up I was yeah. trying to hide in McDonald's and then my brother comes I was like oh Sam come pick me up I just smashed up my car and I drove it all the way home and I think I was couldn't max I could go it was 25 miles an hour and the, it was just shaking because the, the wheel axle was, was gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was gone so uh, that was the end of that one but yeah. yeah I think it's probably a blessing in disguise that one but I think it was just like not knowing what I know now and what happened like it's key to have the tyres on yeah. the car like that and especially in Wales to drive like it just rains constantly over right. here to drive something like that every day is not not ideal but yeah, I don't learn. drive fast anymore yeah right. I don't drive fast anymore so yeah definitely so at this point then like you, you're back are you were you playing were you playing for, for Cardiff or Glamorgan at that point when you came back yeah, so I gave my CVs to Ospreys and Cardiff. Um, Blue, uh, Car- I always say Blues, but it's Cardiff, yeah. like, you know. So they seemed more interested, went in, usual story. Yeah, you'll have a month trial or what have you. Um, done testing, went well for the first like month or two and they offered me like a contract. So it went from there, really. Um, ended up... In the academy, you have feeder clubs. You play in the Welsh Premiership. So I went to Glamorgan Wanderers, spent a couple of years there while I was in the academy. So I just train every day, and then Tuesday, Thursdays we train in the night, then play Saturday um, for Glamorgan, and then you'd have your under twenties alongside that with Cardiff and um, and Wales. On yeah, when was the first? I guess under twenties Wales. When was the first cap? Then was that for the under twenties? Yeah, so I'm just trying to think. It was 2019, I'd like to Nine. say. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, yeah. We're the same. Yeah, yeah. 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 so yeah. So um, that was the first, like, Six Nations. Um, played a lot in that. Um, and then we went to the World Cup that year. Um, I'm trying to think who we played. We played Australia, I think France. France and Ireland maybe yeah um, and then same again played another year the year later after that um, captained a few times yeah um, and then because well, we went to Japan first year then Argentina the second year then with my 20s so, at so the, at this good point, experience as a youngster yeah and growing up at this point you're like this could be a career of mine right like I'm playing for the Wales under 20s I'm kind of maybe knocking on the door of the Cardiff Blues team like this is this is what I want to do, right? You're probably not thinking, I need to go get a job. Um, well, the weird thing is, I've always worked, you know me, I've always worked my the gym and stuff. Yeah. So that's how, like, when I was in the academy, I was working prior to that, working in the gym from six in the morning to two, and then um, it'd be, that would be my day. But I, I never thought I never thought like uh, rugby's a job. Yeah, as you get older, you think, oh yeah. But it feels like what I've been doing training Thursday, well Tuesdays and Thursdays always felt the same. So like going every day is just felt like I'm doing that. My Tuesdays and Thursdays training every day. So I never thought it was a a career. It's just where I wanted to get to in playing, and obviously wanted to play internationally, play for Wales and. 
you know, to go to a World Cup has always been a massive right. ambition of mine, which I got a chance to a couple of years ago, and yeah, it was amazing. And that's why I, I strive for. I never thought, oh, hang on, yeah, I want to be a pro rugby player. I, I just want to be a Welsh international. Yeah. I mean, it must yeah. be like, I, I remember being out here and like kind of, you know, just seeing, you know, oh, you know, Joss play the 20s or Joss playing for Blues or, you know, was it Japan, your first men's cap? Like first big, like full men's yeah. cap? I remember they flew you out there, didn't they? Late. Did they? Or did, um, you, or did you make? No. That was another time. Yeah. So, yeah. So my first cap, um, I wasn't meant to go out. So one of the boys got injured in like the last, I think it was like a camp before. So in the last couple of days and he was like touch and go where to go. So we went on an army camp. Like I was involved in the squad, but I knew I wouldn't go in. And then he was just struggling with his ankle. They were actually giving him until the last moment to, to go. And then obviously he didn't go. So I got called up because we got sat down to say, well, you boys ain't going. You can either like stick around for a train or go home. So I actually came straight home. I have gone on the phone to my mate. I was like, oh, come on, let's book a holiday because we, we get like four or five weeks of mm-hmm. a block every year that we know we can go away and my mate was off at the time. So I just went in, let's go on holiday straight away and all that. Um, and then as I put that phone down, uh, Robin McBride called me and he's like, oh, is it right if you come to the, the army camp um, next week? Because... Uh, Obviously, I'll be going to Japan then, so I ended up going. Um, the first test, I didn't play, so I wouldn't have played any test rugby. I went out there, just enjoyed the, the sights and all that, trained a little bit, um, and then ended up in a second test starting. So it didn't go well because I broke my nose and got, <laughs> got knocked out. But <laughs> I mean, going out there, just the gay first camp, my mum and my father were there, so it was, it was pretty special. Oh, it's cool. They got to go. I love that. And uh, what, what was there anything out there? Like, obviously, you got you know you 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 find a love for Japanese cars, you know, just because of you know Need for Speed or you know Fast and Furious and yeah. Tokyo Drift and stuff. What's it like being in Japan? Like, are you seeing stuff as well when you're there, or are you just on yeah. the bus and like? Yeah, like I'm a full on petrol head, so I was like, oh, put, like talking to the boys and like don't have any clue. Like, so it's like <laughs> it's mad because over here you see a lot of European cars, the German stuff, but. You go over there and it's just everywhere. Your Hondas, your Mazdas, Nissans, everything like that. And I remember, I'm trying to think where we were staying. When I looked out my window, you could just see like this massive crew of like, not street racers, just people like tuners going down the, down the highway in his vehicle. Cause it's like, like they had all the underglow and stuff like that on. Yeah, there's a place to go and see any Japanese cars because they go crazy for a yeah, I must, I, I've been to Japan once, but we like spent most of it on a bus in the middle of the night till we got to our location, and then it was like play golf, yeah. hotel, home. So I never really got to see like that kind of city culture of it, like you know, seeing cars drive around in crews with underglow, and like you're like this is from a movie scene. Like I'm gonna see DK in a second, like in his three fifty Z or whatever. Mental, but so obviously that kind of puts you on the map. That progresses, you kind of progress like as a Welsh international, then right? Like you, you just keep rolling and things are getting better and you know you you make the team and and i assume then the pay generally gets better what is like your kind of first like you know what i'm earning a bit more money 
I should go by myself. Like I'm a, I'm a splurge here. I'm going to treat myself. <laughs> uh, I'm a nightmare really. Cause like oh, I had a big gap between my first and uh, second car. Um, but then just obviously you, you build up money and then you start looking. So I've had, what have I had? First probably not decent car. I bought, I bought an Evo 10, um, drove that for, I think eight months and then the new insurance came in the post and it was like £3,000 even though the year before I paid like a, I think it was like £800 for to, to, to drive it as a 330 um, HKS edition white is like it bought some carbon to put on there and stuff like that um, and then I, I think after I went into I don't think I went into. I'm sure I went into my mini just to get the the fuel down, mm-hmm. um, and then I bought a Super Impreza P1. Um, I can't even remember what year that was. It was probably like five, six years ago. Um, had that. It was sat outside for a year. Like I, I drove it now and then, not very rare. Been like weekend car, but then it started like bubbling on the arches, which. I didn't have anywhere to store it and I live right next to the sea. So um ended up selling that and then I took like a little sabbatical because um, I got, um, got given cars um, by sponsors. Um, and then recent, well, probably two, three years ago, started up a obviously a cute club business yeah. um, sourcing vehicles for people. So it's basically a garage without the forecourt and we do finance etc and then I'm trying to think what was the first thing I bought I think it was, it was an R- RS5 um, 2013 I think it was yeah um, that was a lovely car black with uh, uh, white interior so that was, that was a good motorway cruiser <laughs> yeah no um, doubt yeah so yeah I fl- like a flick through flick through stuff on RS6 for a minute um, which I'm using as a as a daily um, and then I got yeah, I did have three Subaru um, Preta P1s I got my 190 which is I'm in the middle of restoring um, so that's a bit of fun I'm trying to do most of it myself but I'm halfway in pulling everything out of it yeah so just got the engine to go and then get it sandblasted and then repainted and put it up front, put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> I did a podcast about a month ago with a guy who's got one out here and he loves it and it's mint. Like, it's so good. And I asked him if he wanted to cut it up and make it into a DTM car and he's like, it's in too good a shape. Like, if I bought one that wasn't yeah. in good shape, I would do it. But this one's like got 78,000 original miles like the interior is mint wow. it's black like it, it it's sick and it you know he drives it every like you know, on the weekend or whatever but so so when you like when do you do when you make it to like you know playing for Wales and you win a Six Nations and obviously like you know you, you are on the map then you're on the radar you're kind of a god in Wales for most people do you like do, does is it Mercedes that has the deal with with Wales or does like Land Rover come to you like how does that work when you're like you know I'm a pro- professional athlete and like do, do people just approaching you for car deals and stuff um i, I don't know it come, comes like quite random with uh car stuff um there's like a lot of vip deals so you've got a it's obviously connections um yeah. trying to get well not trying to get them it's just richie connections and they 
they used to offer very good like VIP deals. I remember at one point the boys were driving GLE um, Mercedes Jeeps for like two hundred pound a month, which they like seven hundred pound a month now yeah. with a big deposit. So the times have changed a lot. They were ridiculous. There's a flood in the market. There's obviously a lot of stock, and um, they were basically giving the like crazy cars out for peanuts at one point it was an AMG GT for a thousand pound a month which for a hundred and fifty thousand pound car looked like a bar- it would have been a bargain but um, if you compare it to today's age where stocks are apprived and no new stuff is not coming out yeah um, so it was the, like a lease the then, was, it? was it like a lease with yeah. the at the end if you wanted to pay it and buy the car so most of them were on one year um, leases, so yeah. you could you could buy at the end or just hand it back, which most boys handed mm-hmm. handed the car back. But I used to have it. For, well, I had my GLE for a year, and then I bought it back and then just sold it because that's how. Like I've always bought cars, I'd driven them for a year or two, and then sold them for breaking even or a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you had three Subaru P1s. Like, they've gone up and they've rocked it up in value, haven't they? So I'm sure that was yeah. a little, like, you know, just flipping those. Yeah, it was, it was crazy how that came about. So I bought my one, <laughs> which I've kept now. I'm just having the uh, underside, like, new bushes, everything put back to new. Um, and then I got offered two others. And I was like, oh, I'll just go see them, see what they want and all that. And then... I not I said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give you a call in a couple of days to see where I'm at and all that. And which we gave them an offer, and they were like, yeah, happy to happy to deal with that. And I thought it's a bargain, really. Um, and then I kept them for about a year, and then the price just shot up. Um, I could see like it's not starting to like turn, but you could see like mm. not a lot was selling. But I got, I got good money for them. Um, I wish I kept them, but it's, I got my one now and it's probably paid for really. So yeah, I just, uh, the best one out of the three and just got rid of the others. Yeah. 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 It was, it was nice. It was like, cause I tried done a little bit myself just to tidy up ready for sale. Um, and I just couldn't say no. It was one of them. I, I would have kept all three, but when people offer me money, like, well, yeah. I don't. I don't really need three. I can have one kept in lockup. So, Mrs. is like, why do you have three of the same car? They're all the same color. They're all the same wheels. Like, why is it? <laughs> are you seeing two yeah. things at once? Yeah, that's a funny thing about it because like, like, no, like unless you know them. Um, I, I bought them at the right time. I think I just got off with them out of nowhere, and then I just at the right time you can see people like trying to buy them left right and centre there weren't many for sale there's like one or two on the net for sale now you can see people are like just trying their chances like someone's asking like 60, 70 grand for one yeah. um, they're going to go they're going to go up in value because there's not that many of them but um, they will follow like the 22B um, they got a new one out now which ProDrive have done I think they've only made like 50 of them mm-hmm. or something like that or t- no, 25p25. So, um, but it's just following them and they're always going to climb. So it was a nice little investment, but uh, probably mine will never sell. 
Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't sell it either. It's nuts, and they're the values of them. And I think you know people out here like that are importing them into the US. They got to wait twenty five years, I think, and then they're okay to import. But some of them get early imports under show car licenses, I think, and that's kind of how some of them got yeah. around some of the stuff. But I mean, there's people in Japan just buying them out, buying them, buying them up, and putting them in warehouses and waiting them, and then you know waiting two years till they or three years when they can sell them and then making 10x their money it's mad it's great it's huge business obviously but i'm not surprised that you've been offered stupid money for yours it makes sense doesn't it yeah but, it's like a gtr like that's well 200 plus car now and probably five years ago you're looking about 60 70k for a gtr yeah because they import like i think is it this year's the first year I think so, yeah Something like yeah. that. Yeah, they got, they've gone nuts and made like over a million or whatever. But you did mention you have a little, I guess, a bit of a, um, you know, Q Club is, is a bit of a, like I said, a dealership without like a, you know, without a, a forecourt, right? You're, you're sourcing cars for people. So clearly this is a passion if you were part of a business that spies and sells cars, yeah. right? Like you wouldn't be doing it just because, you know, it's not, you know, it, it's obviously fun for you. Yeah, it's it random how we started. So um, my business partner now, he had like a I8 and he was like, oh, let me show you. He used to have a Subaru, so we passed all the time when I was in Evo, he used to wave and then Facebook led one thing to another. Met him and then we just like both petrol heads. He's got like a few Ducatis and stuff. Um, and then it just went from there, snowball effect, like we were buying stuff. And then I had the boys asking me, oh, what's a good lease deal? and all that and it started from trying to help the boys not getting stunned buying right um, and then it just ended up into a business where we're doing finance warranties um, leasing the VIP stuff so we have connections everywhere which is built over the years and it's going good and I, I, it's, it's easy for me because I've always done it I've gone mm-hmm. through like Auto trader, eBay, just looking through cars. So it's doing it for someone else, trying to save them money from main dealerships. Yeah, yeah. Because we all, I mean, if you don't know what's going on, you are going to get rinsed at a dealership, aren't you? That's just kind of how it happens. Yeah. Like that's their business yeah. now. They make so much money. But you just mentioned you had Ducatis. Is that what gets you into the bike world as well? Because you, you ride a little bit now and again, don't you? Yeah, I got a Triumph Bobber uh, Black, which has had the Thornton 100 kit put on it. Uh, so just wider wheels and like an exhaust um, and uh, plate tidy and all that. Um, but yeah, I used to have a motocross bike when I was younger and I thought I'd never get a road bike and then watched Sons of Anarchy and I was like set on <laughs> doing my <laughs> do, doing my license and then um, I think it, yeah, that was after the World Cup it took me a month I'd done my CBT before and then when I came back it took me a month to pass um, doing my mod, mod 1, Mod 2 over here and then I actually put a deposit on my bike before I even passed because they had it for sale in the, the garage in Virgin, uh Thunder Road. And then bought it as soon as I passed and sent it off to uh, Thornton 100 to have the wheels widened and all that. And uh, yeah, I still got it today. Yeah, it's <laughs> class. Well, it's like, Mrs. doesn't like. No, like, and I, I obviously yeah. I got friends out here and the scene out here is totally different. Like there isn't really a, kind of cafe racer scene here as there is back home and it's a lot of Harleys out here and like fat boy type you know cruising bikes and you know when I come home and Ollie from Baffle was on a couple of weeks ago and and obviously you know 
big into the bike world tom obviously he's got a bike and like i t- yeah. and a, and a mate out here has a um he managed to get a panigale one of the new ones and he hasn't even rode it he's rode it a little bit but i don't think he's even broken it in yet and he's like i think i should sell it but right now it just sits in his like in his garage as like artwork on a stand and yeah. you know and i was like talking to talking to my wife and i was like hey what do you think about me getting a bike you know just to have it every now and then to go out and she's like absolutely not i was like what it's a lot cheaper yeah. than a car like if i want to go buy a gt3 like it's going to cost me you know 150 grand but if i want to go buy like you know an epic bike it's probably going to cost me 30 you know so yeah. like there's a you know she's like i don't care you know like it's not safe so I, as much as i love like the look of it and love seeing like you know that culture and you know it seems like a lot of fun like i yeah I've, i don't know yeah. i would love to do my do my license as well but it's it's scary you know, the amount of people are on their phones driving now you're like mm, i don't know yeah. like you know you just can't just get up and go for a ride and especially in wales when it rains all the time it's not ideal is it no it's, well, i'm a summer rider like if it's looking like it's going to rain at all i, I won't yeah. go out on it but i'm just pure summer summer ride in when it's nice uh the roads are good because um, you never know what's going to happen like yeah. someone in front I've been told this by an ex-copper who used to ride and he was like just think about someone behind and someone in front is going to do something stupid so I try and keep my wits about and touch wood I've been alright like a couple of people have pulled out on me but luckily I've seen them way in advance thinking oh they might pull out so mm-hmm. I've eased off and they have pulled out and I've missed them so I, I'm not like I don't ride fast I don't see a point yeah. like I know like my business partner Jack, he's got the Ducatis, and he 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 gets it some. So I let him go, and I'll just follow. We like meetups wherever we go in, and he's probably there thirty minutes before. Um, but I'm just plodding along, enjoying the view and enjoying the ride. Yeah, that is the one good thing about Wales, right? Is like you could there's just great rides, great roads everywhere. And I think on a bike, you feel the speed a lot, a lot more than you would in a car, don't you? So like, you're just out in the open air, like this is epic, and you know, and then you like Jack is probably like full knee down, like hitting every corner, like he's you know <laughs> doing the uh, Iron Man TT or whatever. But you don't have to be that level which is nuts but anyway you did reference the project car tell me about that let's talk about the 190 for a bit and like why a 190 and and just like why have you decided to just make it a project car and kind of you know bring it back to life um so my dad had one years ago used to he's had like um i before i was born he's had like a mini club man a few mini club man's uh, Audi Quattro, a 190 Cosworth, and he always used to talk about his 190. And I wanted one for my first car, but they were like dead against it for me having one. And at the time, I could have picked up one for five grand for, with like 60,000 miles a mint, and now they're like 30 grand plus now. Um, but stem from there, I um, I got offered one by one of the guys who's done. Um, a 190 Causeway TTM project, um, 187 is things called on Instagram, mm-hmm. or Mr. 190, and it, it's wicked, it's class, he's put like a, a new compressor engine in there, got like, uh, cut out the roof, but put an actual, like full roof, because they normally come with sunroofs, um, all the DTM setter, um, but he got offered one, and uh, he said, I was like, oh, I picked up fairly cheap, and I was like, 
I knew he needed work, but I got told he was like running, only the clutch was a bit funny and then it got to me and then I was like, yeah, it does run, like the fuel pumps were gone and stuff, it does run, but I was like, before I start anything, I need to like drop it, like make sure I get everything out and just rebuild it from the ground up. So I was aiming for a nut and bolt, um, but it comes to get, like, I get injured and then I can't work on it and then I'm nearly back to playing and then I start work on it and I'm back playing so I don't have that much time so I was close to selling there recently but um, I think I'm going to hold on to it yeah. um, but I've got the interior out got most of the inside out um, started on like panels doors and like the engine because I'm trying to pull off the the bonnet um, to get the engine out just try and get everything out easy as possible but then like the bolts are seized on there, so it's harder to get it out. And it just, I, I, I tend to go up there. I'm like, right, yeah, I'll spend three hours on it. By the time I get my tools out, by the time I start like chatting to the boys, I spend probably like twenty minutes on it, do like one thing, and then. But I reckon I got, I reckon a good week or five days solid on it. I think I could get it ready, ready for paint and all that. Yeah. Well, blasting, blasting, and paint then. Or it's just nice to just have something to tinker with, right? Just to have something like, you know, it, yeah. you know, it, there's no timeline on it, right? Like, I'm sure, like I said, you come close to selling it because it's driving you mad. But also, like, yeah, I mean, if you sold it, you probably just go buy someone else to work on, right? You, you're just going to have something there that you can play with and have, you know, just get your mind yeah. away from whatever it is and just go kind of get frustrated about a car that's got, you know, bolts that are seizing on it and you're trying to repair it. yeah. That's a, that's a, it is nice it takes your mind away from it but when you're smashing your hand against something and all that you're like what am I doing here because <laughs> <laughs> I'm no mechanic I can do servicing and stuff but like the chain oil chains filters and all that yeah. but when you're doing something like this I'm like marking everything down taking loads of filters so I know when I come to put it back together I'll get everything in place yeah which, which is going to be fun yeah oh yeah it's going to be great once it's done you're going to be like okay like this was you know monetarily this probably wasn't worth it and time wise it wasn't worth it but driving it like that satisfaction of when it's fully done and mint and driving it for the first time yeah. makes it all worth it yeah sure. I bet it's going to it's going to drive not drive that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 1989 yeah. Connor, Connor who I had on who has his here he's like he came close to selling his too but even though it was mint he's like the engines are a bit kind of finicky and he's like I had to go through every single like I can't remember what it was but he's like I literally took it apart myself I'm like because no shop wanted to like tackle it because they're a bit of a nightmare he's like I literally spent like three weeks on it and just went through every single one to figure out if it was right and he figured it out and like yeah he's like it was worth doing but like at the time I'm He's, you know, someone offered him double what he paid for it, and he's like, "Oh, you know what? This would be great to just kind of get rid of." But he's glad he kept it. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the other thing I noticed, yeah, exactly. The other thing I noticed was you were probably a, like one of the most controversial F1 races of like our modern era, right? Like you went to the last race, didn't you, in Dubai with Max yeah. and Lewis? Yeah, Mate, yeah, that was, like, that was mental, unbelievable. That was how, how does that how does that come about? Do you get invited? Like you in Dubai for it? Or obviously, a great you know bucket list thing to do. But like, how does that happen? Um, so I had I was injured at the time, so I had um, time off. Where well, I asked the physios, like, oh, can I go for this week? So Dubai Sevens was the week before, so I was like, oh, 
it, it meant it was well, it is epic. And I got told, so I was like, oh, we'll go to that. And then I looked at the F1 and I was like, hang on, Abu Dhabi's the weekend after. So I ended up staying out there for a full week and going. Um, and it was, it was crazy because I was, I remember I was watching the last race when it was like three red flags and stuff like that. And I was like, it was like a three-hour race, and I was fighting, up, like fighting to stay awake because I, I don't know what the time was in Dubai. It was like nine, ten o'clock. We had a big day, well, a big couple of days with the Dubai Sevens. Um, so lucky, well, it was like the, the championship was still alive when it yeah, coming yeah. into the last race into Abu Dhabi. So we went, and it, oh, I can't like. It, atmosphere is unreal like all of the staff and fans is just a sea of orange is one stand like full of orange people and they'll bounce in um but the way it ended obviously they'll be gutted because i'm a lewis fan yeah um, and it's a shame like what went on but <laughs> I, I was livid like <laughs> me, me and taryn were watching it like in the house and she's a McStappen. she was a max fan or is a max fan and like she has her own Max Verstappen race suit now, which she got for Halloween, which was the greatest buy ever. It was like a hundred bucks off, yeah, off eBay and it like fits perfect. Uh, but yeah, like she's, she, she was kind of that person that like just got into F1 because of Netflix and doesn't really know the history of yeah. F1. And she like, so doesn't know like all the rules. So I'm like fighting with someone, like not fighting, but like arguing with someone, right? Yeah. It's like, she's like, yeah, this is great. Max just won. And I'm like, devastated like on the floor with my hands yeah. in my, you know head in my hands like this is not right like I was doing you know like yeah. Toto's like Mikey this is not right like, I was losing my mind like, she's oh. laughing her head off I was like we, we, I need to go in the other room like I can't look at you for a second because I'm going to resent you being my wife right now yeah I can't imagine oh, it was like being there as well yeah it must have been nuts. yeah because we we were on the corner with um, Hamilton tried to go like on the last lap trying to try to get back uh, Verstappen and where uh, Perez went overtook on like mm-hmm. the thing on Hamilton so I knocked him but yeah it was, it, was, it, was, it was amazing I'll tell anyone to go doesn't matter where it is yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, the way it finished it couldn't have kind of asked for a bit nah, better I... race to be at really yeah, be a pop F1 was that the first race you'd been to yeah, so I never, I, I followed it, like, as in, not watched it, but yeah. see who's winning and all that, but never really got into it. And then obviously the Netflix documentary came out in the first season, and I was like, I started watching it. And then my wife's father used to watch it every Sunday and have it on, so I got into it that way more. Mm-hmm. And then, because I never knew, like, what was going on. And, but, like, now I'm into it, you're like, oh, I'm watching it. I find I'm watching it, like, yeah. nearly every weekend. and. I, I'm into it, like not into it massively, but it is like I'm a, like petrol head, so it's yeah, it is it is cool. Yeah, I got I got uh, we're going to the we're going to the sprint race in Austin in October. So because I I told oh, Taryn no. I was like I I don't. I don't necessarily want to go to a race. Like I'd like to go to, I mean, we'll see what it's like, obviously if I go to a sprint race, but I'm just going to go and just experience it, see what it's like. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go to Vegas cause that's just outrageous money. And also Miami's crazy expensive, yeah. but Austin's like, but I can drive to Austin, so it's not too far. So we're going to go down there this year and kind of see experience that. I'm excited to kind of see what happens on like the sprint race day and, and all that. Cause obviously the qualifying will be Friday. And sprint race Saturday and then race Sunday. So we'll we'll drive down 
probably the Friday night, go to the sprint race yeah. Saturday, drive home, and then watch the race day on on Sunday back here. But I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. Like you know, never been to one before, so it'll be uh, yeah, it's quality. You love it. Yeah. What was uh, what was uh, I mean the Dubai car scene like? Do you see anything stupid while you're out there as well? Um. Well, that's the usual like Ferraris, Lambos, yeah. like supercars running everywhere. So you're expecting to buy, don't you? Yeah, of course. It's all the just cash everywhere. <laughs> it's just, everything's in gold, isn't it? Everything's in like beige and gold coloured cars. Yeah. Specs aren't specs are a bit wild out there. But what uh, finishing up then? Uh, tell me, like, what what are we in the hunt for at the moment? What do you have your eye on? What are you thinking of buying? Um, and then. Um, no, um, I don't, I don't hold it off because I got the Irish six for a yeah. minute. Um, I did go, get off with a Portofino the other day, which I was like, oh my God, that'll be a nice car to have for a little while. Um, cause I had a 296 for, um, well, a week. So that was, that was pretty cool. How was that? But yeah. Yeah. It was, it was mad. Cause like, I think it's like north of 16, 2.3 or something ridiculous. And it's yeah. like a, well, it's a two, I think it's a 2.9 V6 and it's got the electric and it's crazy because you can drive in you're in the roar and then you put it into like electric mode and it's flat there's nothing there but it, that, that was wicked it's like so balanced like compared to other like Ferraris I think that yeah. I, I've, I've been told that it handles a lot lot well and it doesn't kick out like I drove every day and it's, it's raining here and I had it set in wet which is probably at 80% power. Mm. Um, it's it it so easy to drive, but I know other Ferraris are retail happy and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's next on the cards, to be honest. <laughs> probably another Subaru, but no, I'm still yeah. potting around with ideas and stuff. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure where I'll be next. Well, you also recently got married too, right? So you have like that to deal with as well. You like, can't just show up with a Ferrari in the driveway and like, oh, uh, sorry, babe. Like, we're not going on holiday this week. <laughs> this year, we're going to have a Ferrari instead. It's not going to go down. My, well. wife's driving, my wife's driving the RS6 for a minute, so she's the one who's probably, yeah, get it, yeah, get, get it. So. Why not? Yeah. Guy's the, best, that's but, the biggest blessing in the world if your wife loves cars too. This justifies every yeah. mend, every man decision in the world. But what, uh, I guess what would be then, what would be the dream car then? What would be like the, uh, hey, if I, you know, if I could have one of these, I'd have it tomorrow. Oh, F40, hands down. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I always said if I won the lottery, I'd buy one to drive daily and one to keep in the garage. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> if I went to the house, I'd go and do it. Fair go enough. get, like, it's, it's stunning, like the old school car, like, just how it is, like, it's a proper car. Yeah, yeah. Have you been on any road trips or destination stuff yet? Have you done any, like, driving holidays yet or not? Um, no, no, nothing. Not yet? Nothing too much. No, it's something I want to do. Um, like, I know a couple of boys who go over to near the Um Most years just go over and then they take their cars around the track or hire a car. Yeah. Um, that's probably the first thing I'll do. Um, this, I don't know. I could take the R6 anyway, really. But that's the good thing <laughs> about it. Because it's got power. Yeah, it's a tank, isn't it? I mean, it just it's a daily. Yeah. yeah. Well, class, mate. Well, mate, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat and hang out and, and learn a little bit about your uh, your obsession for cars and bikes and everything with an engine. Uh, glad yeah. to see you doing well. What uh, well, What's next? On the, yeah, of course. What's next on, on, the, on the horizon this year for you, then? When's the season? Obviously, you're getting back fit now, so you'll be back in the mix and... 
yeah, the end of the season so coming fingers, Yeah, so we're, well, just past uh, midway percent, point yeah. of the season. Yeah, so hopefully everything goes smoothly with my rehab now and hopefully be back in the next month. Um, and then obviously going into Cardiff and then we've got Six Nations coming up. But I'm just trying to focus on getting fit, getting ready for Cardiff and then see what happens that way. And then this World Cup year as well. So there's a World Cup yeah. um, made the way through this year. Yeah, so just get, I want. I need to get fit first. Like, make sure everything's going all right with my injury and, uh, yeah, fingers crossed it settles and yeah. I can get back playing. Happy days. Well, a little bit of a coaching change. Obviously, the man is back, right? Seems like <laughs> yeah. I, I went to the, uh, when I was home in town, we went to the New Zealand game and I mean, it was kind of fun to watch, but it was like, you know, we were there to see New Zealand, right? Even though we're like Welsh fans, you're like there to watch yeah. New Zealand yeah. play. But yeah, it's, uh, It'll be good to see Welsh rugby back in the way that it has been in the past, isn't it? Like the part of the one that we all know, and nobody remembers it when it's bad. Everyone remembers it when we win a Six Nations, and we just for our, yeah. I think us growing up, we had that insane period, right, where we seemed to win. Like, what was it three and six years or three and five years? And now, yeah, like, yeah you've been part of the group that's kind of got it back to, which is epic, right? That you're part of a winning Six Nations and yeah. Grand Slam Six Nations too, right? Yeah, so I got one championship, well, two championships and one Grand Slam. So nice, we we nice. could have we should have won two, but France done us for the last play of the game. So yeah. yeah, it is amazing. I was probably like one of the highlights of my career, winning the Six Nations. Class. Well, winning the Grand Slam. So it is amazing, and it's such a good time of year. And Welsh rugby is like the boys coming through now. It's, it's going to be in a good place. So fingers crossed, we keep it keep it moving yeah keep competing at the top where where's the world cup that's in france oh nice so close far away. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be good happy yeah. days even i mean hopefully all the best and obviously wish it wish that you you know you make the squad and you're playing but if you're not i'm sure you'd easy to thanks, pop man. over and just go and enjoy it as well <laughs> right but yeah no, thanks bro. yeah well mate been an absolute pleasure uh what is your instagram for people to follow you and find your uh you know, your posts that aren't about rugby, about your car stuff? Uh, it's just Jane Navidi. Pretty simple, really. And then, and then obviously, cute clubs link to that. Okay, so. wicked. Yeah, I'll link those below uh, for everyone listening. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to Josh's stories. If you don't know him through rugby, now you know him through cars. And if you're in the UK and you want to sell him some form of Subaru, I'm sure he'll take you up on a reach out. But thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers.